It's Typo Waffle Time! Are we ready to waffle? We are waffling already. Okay, waffle on, waffler. Right, so it's my turn to choose a topic today. Okay, and today is chosen, chosen, chosen. Cho- chosen, yep. I, I was reading, oh, so I was at a conference. This is <laughs> a little backstory. Wait, wait, wait. Wait. You're doing a choice in it. So, I want to say that I was, you know, I was going to do that thing where I'm, you know, when I'm... Yeah, Troy is the master of unfinished sentence beginnings. Are those mitigation? No, those aren't mitigation. Those are... A linguistic uh, term that I've forgotten when you don't say anything in a sentence. False starts. False starts. Okay. So I was at a conference and I, there's a, a, a thing called the... <laughs> shut up. The American Teaching Forum. And they, they published this magazine and I took a magazine. Wait, that, are they Americans teaching or are they teaching Americans? Or are they teaching American? No, it's the TESOL International association or something and they've got a they've got this magazine called the forum which is, is great it the americas or the north America? oh shut up now <laughs> <laughs> anyway so one of the um uh, one of the ones that i got which was number one in 2019 volume 57 in fact the last article is about the six principles for exemplary teaching of english learners that's a really pretty bad title um, anyway, so um, we have here six principles, which was published in a book uh, by the Tessel Association. Yeah, six principles for exemplary teaching. And I'm going to go through these six principles. Okay. Or maybe we'll just go through one or two. I don't know. It depends how much talking we. <laughs> and how we'll much see. Waffling see, we get on. See what they mean. Okay. So, to be to have an exemplary classroom, or to be an exemplary teacher, or to have exemplary teaching of language learners in your classroom. Here are the six principles, starting with number one. Know your learners. What, their names or their abilities or their likes and dislikes? Or well, their... yes. So the thing here is, I agree with this. Nothing's I don't gonna know what happen. it means. No, well, nothing's going to happen in your classroom if you don't know who your learners are. So, yes, knowing their names, because that helps with classroom management. Knowing what their level Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Or, or knowing what their needs are. Okay. And I think that this is the reason why walking into a strange classroom as a substitute teacher or something is, is quite hard. Because if you don't know who you're teaching, even if you know what the lesson objective is, how to get there and what, what tactics you can use for engaging the students in the lesson means a lot of fancy footwork sometimes. Yeah. When you know your class well, all that stuff just kind of flows naturally. And you can say... and And... Sopal, guys, what do you know about Sopal? He got married on the weekend. Right, that's that's right. right. Yeah. So in the magazine, they've got a whole bunch of ideas on how to learn students' names, um, because I suppose that's where it begins. Okay. Okay. You're not sold on this. Uh, Partly... uh, I... I agree This is a lesson in full starts. I agree in principle. Um, I'm terrible at knowing students' names. I always have been, I have lots of strategies that I've tried, uh, but I've kind of found ways to work around the fact that I often don't know their names. And sometimes that's finding ways to cheat to find out their names when I should know their names anyway. Like, so, and who's this guy? He's Sopol. And what do you know about Sopol? 
heat, like of yeah. a bad tendency. So I'm the same. I can't. I've really, really struggled with people. I get introduced to people at a at a party, and the name goes in one ear and straight out the other. Yeah. What I found though is I I I learn their names when I hear somebody else calling them. When I hear somebody else oh, use their name, so if I, I'm in, if I'm around them, and somebody goes, "Hey, Pete," and then I go, "Oh, yeah, that's Pete." Um, but if he says, "I'm Pete," it's useless. Oh, I need to see mine written down, not in a list. Oh. how about a uh, classroom map? Ah, uh, yes, I've used seating charts. I've used a classroom photo. I've used a mnemonic, a personal mnemonic system, which actually kind of worked in a partly worked. Like, uh, I, this is a real one that was on my list once. Frizzy head glasses girl. Oh yeah, yeah. Just, just yeah. a girl with just really frizzy hair and really prominent glasses. Yeah. And and none of them actually completely work. They're all just coping strategies. Yeah, I think I think that it's just one of those things that you've got to really work hard on. But it makes a big difference if you know. It the does make names. a difference. Mm. I have a colleague who knows everybody's names after the very first lesson. That's I scary. hate him. Yeah, that's scary. Well, actually, I. I hate him because I wish I could. You're jealous, yeah. Extremely. But I'm not sure that knowing their names is the point. Uh, You know, the thing is that knowing their names has a a big psychological influence on them. If you call it... um, And also knowing their names gives you a sense of ownership of the classroom, perhaps. Um, Oh, well, it certainly helps that... uh, it's, it's building some sort of relationship with and the rapport, students yeah. and rapport. And but also, if you've learned, if you've taken the effort to learn their names, you probably know something about them too. Yeah, you're more aware of them as individuals as yeah. opposed to as a unit. Right. Okay. Um, and so I know that Gunn really struggles with writing, but he has no problem with speaking, for example. I, I, yeah. I can start linking those kind of facts together. Yeah. Um, I think, though, do you, wait, is that it? Just know their names? No. Know your learners. What else do we need to know about them? Well, I mean, that's, that's it. Well, there's, in, in, this, in this article, it's all about how important it is to get to know your students' names. But I think it's not, it's not uh, yeah, just I, that. I think that names is only one tiny little part of what you need to know about your learners. Yeah, you've also got to know their interests and their backgrounds and so and, on. And, yeah, things to make uh, your classes relevant, to create context for your students... Um, to know their strengths and weaknesses, both as uh, individuals and as a whole, to know their levels, I would say, is actually much more important than knowing their names. Uh, I can plan a lesson where I don't know anyone's name. I find it much harder to plan a lesson when I have zero idea of their levels. Well, that's right. So, um, one of the things that I find most disturbing, okay, if a, if a teacher doesn't know all 35 students' names, but when I ask a student who's your teacher and they don't know... Uh, uh, that means that really there's no relationship in that class. Yeah. Um, or sometimes it's... Uh, I, I feel bad for the students who have 15 different teachers, uh, 15 different foreign teachers. Um, when... I get it. Uh, I, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. And s- some foreign teachers have got weird names, like... David. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say Troy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that's a perfect example where where we teach, we have, uh, what did we have there for a while? Steve, Stuart, Sine, Tony, Troy, Tim. Yeah, I don't blame the students because I, I had a class once where I had Nop, Noi, Nock, Nat, Nit, Noot. 
Yeah, but the fact that you can remember all of those. I had a class I in the Mo- who when was I was who. teaching the Maldives. I had a class where there were six Mohammeds and seven Ahmeds and and then one other guy, Mahmoud or something. And um, I mean, you how remembered I who Mahmoud was, and well, that was it. <laughs> it was horrible because, and then. It's not just like Muhammad has one pronunciation. There seem to be four different ways of saying it, and and if you got it wrong, then you were talking to the wrong person. Uh, oh yeah, um, yes. Okay. Anyway, enough of that. Okay, but I don't think that know your students' names is the be all and end all. I think it's. I, I certainly think that knowing your learners is very important. But for know us. their levels and their well, no, abilities no, as and much their as you interests. Can. Yeah. Okay. Are we ready for number two? We're ready. Okay, waffle on, waffle on, waffle on. Stage two. Create conditions for language learning. Huh? Is he just saying, like, have an atmosphere that's not negative? Well, there are certain conditions which promote language learning, and you should create those conditions for... Language learning? Language learning, yes. Again, what does this mean? (laughs) What do you think it means? Create conditions for language learning. Okay. It's hard to learn a topic uh, in an environment where you feel stressed, under pressure, put on the spot, embarrassed. Yes, okay. Whatever. So making, so making make students your classroom atmosphere comfortable, comfortable, mm-hmm. friendly. Mm-hmm. But they don't have to. They, it could be challenging or interesting Good. or um, intriguing or... Any, yeah, okay, all of those things... Have a positive is, classroom environment. Right, the, the, is that the classroom atmosphere is, is one part of this, and okay. you're quite right, that's a massive... Learning a language is, is so stressful, um, and there's so many ways in which you can lose face when you're learning a language. Yeah, and there's so much to remember yeah. going on. Okay, the other part of this is making decisions about the environment of the classroom, the materials you use, the way the seating is arranged. Oh, sure, so. yeah, okay. Okay. So, for example, putting your students in, uh, in, in small groups when you want to encourage them to interact with a, a couple of classmates more intensively, seeing them in a big round horseshoe when you want all the students to be shouting across the room. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, this article also goes on to talk about the fact that when we talk about our students in a language learning classroom, we have to think about how we describe them. The difference between describing a student as impatient or eager. Okay. Okay, that, that maybe that's not... Mm, my student makes a lot of mistakes as opposed to my students... Experiments with language. Experiment, right? yeah. Okay, so sure. describing or thinking about the students in a way that is language learner-oriented. Well, proactive rather than than dismissive, I guess. Yeah, just, yeah, that's right. And when you when you're doing that, you're looking at the students from the perspective of language learning, and you you're complementing their efforts. So it's instead of saying, "My student spends the whole day playing that game on their phone," you say, "My student gets has, bored easily," or has a really good attention span when he's interested in something. Okay. <laughs> Well, I mean, the, the, the example here is pretty good. My student takes a long time to do stuff. Does that mean he's slow or does that mean he's thorough? Or careful. Right. Or, okay. Yeah. Or cautious. Yes, exactly. Right. Or is it that it's got a negative classroom atmosphere and he's fearful? Ooh. Okay. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> All right. The other thing, which is the conditions for language learning, is... 
the nonverbal communication, the body language of the teacher. So okay. how much bo eye contact, the proxemics of the classroom, how close the teacher yeah. stands to students and how close the students are to each other and whether or not the teacher smiles. I think that these are classroom atmosphere issues. I, I think, but that one... Uh, I completely and wholeheartedly agree with that. And while some of that can be taught, like don't hover while your students are writing, uh, it makes them stress about every answer that they give. Um, but also then you've got to say, but do make sure you monitor because the students need to know that you are paying attention. Yeah, but uh, this the, is difficult to, teach. to yeah. teach. I mean, as a teacher trainer... Um, how do you make somebody monitor without hovering? Or how do you make somebody smile without being creepy? Or how do you make sure that somebody uh, is inclusive in making sure that they call on different students in the classroom or different parts of the classroom right. and at the same time tell them, don't only address one part of the classroom, you need to address the class as a whole. You know, these are like quite fine lines yeah. here. And I guess there's a little bit of personality in there too like smile be friendly well, well this be... is this is one of the things i found that's difficult about teacher training um we we have a differentiation between low inference teaching techniques and high inference teaching yep. techniques and low inference te techniques are things like writing on the board and asking wh questions and things that you can actually count but i and i found that those things are really easy to train i can i can train somebody okay, how to do those the... things low inference these are okay. things that you have to ask at least 15 concept check okay. questions. In a, the, but the high inference things like enthusiasm and, and being aware of the people in the classroom, the, the, you can't train them. You, they, somebody either has them or they don't, and the people are either nice or they're not. And I, I don't think you can train somebody to be nice. I find that quite hard. Yeah, I mean, yes. There are little things like you can say to somebody, uh, when you're teaching, don't don't keep your hands in your pockets the whole time. But you then know. you've also got to say, look relaxed and don't look like you're so tense all the time. Yeah. So. <laughs> so sometimes, like a, a, a genuine <laughs> that's horrible. A genuine trick that I give teachers with the the hand thing is just hold a marker. Hold a pen, yeah. Just hold a pen so you've got something to do with your hands and they're, they're not in your pocket. Yeah. But that is a trick. I'm not telling them, here's how to use your hands in a nice, effective way. I'm saying, look, so that you don't keep your hands in your pockets and look really disinterested, don't do that. Do, uh, sorry, do this rather than... All right, and are we ready for our next point? Yes. Point us on, waffle boy. Principle number three, design high-quality lessons for language development. <laughs> okay, um, I I'm sorry, but I've just soured from this list completely. Their tip is to, by the way, don't plan a crappy lesson. <laughs> no, but, but that's it? Yes, look, these, these titles... Plan a good lesson. No. Oh, oh, thanks for that. Oh, right. Oh. <laughs> I, I've never considered actually planning a decent lesson before. These... These tips sound facile, but actually, each one of them know your learners. Well, that's, I mean, that does make for an exemplary teaching condition. Sure, but plan a Create. decent lesson? Well, design high-quality lessons, yes. So, um, As opposed to don't bother planning and make it crap? <laughs> yes, don't do that. Um, our, our lesson objectives, this, this, back, this concept of backward 
backward design. No, where you where you decide what your outcome is going to be before you start planning your lesson. Oh, okay, yeah. And then backward plan, plan your lesson backward from that objective yeah. so that you do the things in your lesson that help you to reach that objective. So at the end of the lesson, I want my students to be able to write a paragraph about a holiday with at least five par- sentences. And those sentences are going to be... In the past tense. And Okay, so I've, I've, I've got this in my mind exactly what I want them to do. Now everything in the lesson is going to fit together yeah. to create so that objective. So you have to do that, they right. need to... And I must make sure that with the, I get it through all that stuff by... Two-thirds of the way through. The right, lesson. so that they've got time to do the thing that I want them to do. If I don't have that, that concept of what I want them to do in the lesson, I just land up waffling through the class... It wishy-washies around and, and I don't actually get anything done. The students walk away going, wow, English is so hard. They don't blame the objectiveless lesson. They blame okay. themselves for not learning. So I'm going to completely rephrase their point by using your point. Okay. So it's not going to be don't plan a crap lesson, plan a good one. It's no. going to be have specific language learning goals in mind and make sure that class time is spent meaningfully. Towards that particular goal. And, and make sure that your goal is measurable and that Specific, the students can a- a- achieve it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a really good principle. Design high quality. Le- <laughs> okay. No, we're, no we're, not, we're not using it. We're saying make sure that there's a point to your lesson. Right. Don't try to fill an hour. Try to get somewhere within that hour. Yeah, that's exactly right. I agree with you. And you agree with principle number three. Mm. Are we ready for principle four? Sure. <laughs> Adapt lesson delivery as needed. Don't teach the book, teach the students. There you go. Where Where's that from? That's a common... Oh, I don't is know. that just something that was drummed into me early on somewhere? Teach the students, not the book. Yeah, and, and included here are things like make sure your students are following your lesson by doing concept checking as okay. you go. Create opportunities for them to ask questions and give you feedback on how they're doing. Um, if, this, if the lesson is too hard, find ways to adapt it for them. Um, have extensions so that the fast students can keep okay. working. There's a little bit of contradiction there with the previous point. So plan a good, high-quality lesson and be willing to not use that plan. No, no, no. Oh, well, yes. No, <laughs> no. Have a nice, high-quality lesson objective yeah. and then adapt its delivery according to the specific needs of the students. Okay. To be sure that you actually get to that goal or, or as close or as you can. Or something as close as you can. So if I've got five or eight weeks students who, who are struggling with writing, I might not get five sentences out of them. I could only get three. But I still got But I've still something. got something, yeah. Okay, uh, I think that the more important point on the lesson planning adaptation thing is simply... Uh, Stay aware of the students who you really know because you've followed principle number one. <laughs> yeah, and know that if you know that you didn't get your five sentences, that's much better than saying, yeah, I know that they can do it. How do you know? Because I taught it to them. Or rather it's, than it's, and I know similarly, that they can't quite do it right. because I saw that they weren't quite able to. And, and similarly, it's also better than saying, well, Gunn's an idiot. He can't even do this. Um, when in actual fact, he's, did, he's done his best. He just isn't up to the same standard as, as what he could be because he's got five years less language experience behind him. Are you ready for principle five? This is fun, right? I think so. Yeah. 
How many principles do we There have? are six principles. Okay. This, this podcast is called <coughs> The Six Principles for Exemplary Teaching of English Language Learners. Okay. <laughs> Mon- <laughs> monitor and assess. Sorry, this is principle what's, five. What's, what's the acronym for that? Oh, I don't know. The six. Six principles. So, sp- spectel. Spectel. Okay. Spectel. Right. right. Spectel six. Right. Monitor no, and assess five. five. Monitor and assess student language development. Wasn't this point number one? Know your learners. Well, so this is slightly different according to what they've written here, because what we want to do is give the students feedback through through feedback, <laughs> <laughs> as opposed to giving them feedback through Assessment. backhand serves. <laughs> <laughs> no. All right, assess- assessments, yeah. So, so oh, instead of using assessment, use... Well, they're, they're drawing the distinction between summative and formative oh, okay. evaluation. So, so. do things like progress test, or is this more... Yeah. Do things like do a, a, do a task that allows them to use the language that they've studied for the day and then Make help them... Make them do them it. And then either help themselves correct or whatever. Right, so that they know that they can do the thing that you've said. So, so if you've you're got giving them feedback on what they can and can't do as part of a lesson as opposed to at the end of the year going, well, yes, you forgot test. that stuff. Yeah, that's right. Um, if you've got a very specific lesson objective, which you do because you've followed principle number uh, two, three, um, seven. whatever, yeah. um, then they've, they walk away going, oh, I can do this or okay. I've learned that thing. Um the writer of this article uh, suggests using something called exit tickets. So before they leave, they write down something that. Oh, so you ask them a question like, "Write three things that we write three greetings that we learned this lesson," and then they write it on a piece of paper and hand it to you, and then that gives you feedback about how well the students have learned the, th- the things that you've asked them to learn. Okay. Or it gives them feedback about. Hey, should I have learned three? I've only got two here. Um, And then they've missed one. That's Mm. an exit ticket strategy, and that gives the students feedback and you on on how successful the lesson was in doing the thing that you aimed to do. Uh, I mean, I've never done an exit ticket. I've never done it. I'm I'm thinking about it. So what I normally do at the end of the lesson is, um, without reference, direct reference to the material that we've just been using, I make them, uh, let's say that we've just learned uh, how to talk about, give me a random example. Um, present perfect. How, how do you for, use present perfect for um, things that you've done sometime in the past? Okay, so uh, unspecific past. Okay, so at the end of the, the lesson, um, it's, there's five minutes remaining, and I say to the class, all right, guys, so... Um, who studied this before? And they say, I have. And, and I say to them, and uh, how many times have you studied English? And they said, I've studied it 17 times. And I say to them, and who's already had dinner? And they say, I have. And the others say, I haven't. And I say, well, I haven't either. Guess what I want to do now? And they say, eat dinner. And I go, that's right, everybody. Bye. Okay, so you you do a kind of concept checky. Wrap up. Wrap up thing. Yeah. Mm. Now, what they're saying is do it more individually. Yeah, so write on a piece of paper a, a sentence a place, and a piece of paper. Yeah, yeah. yeah, 
but you'd have to be very careful about your phrasing. Because if you say to them, write a sentence using the present perfect... They'll copy saying, one from the book. Well, also, you're saying, regurgitate a grammar structure. You could do that uh, exit ticket, right? Exit ticket as... Exit ticket, yeah. All right, so uh, as you leave, uh, I just want you to write down for me um, the strangest... F- uh, a strange food you've, you've tried, place you've been, uh, and somewhere you... It's a country you haven't been but you'd like to go to, whatever. So I give them a topics and I say, give me some sentences about them. And then as soon as they finish them, they can they hand, the hand it in as they walk out the door. And then I look at their sentences and I get to know, uh, hope. well, I definitely get to know the accuracy. Like if they said, um, uh, I have I have go to Guatemala, right. I, I know that... We have well, if they all do that, then you know, know that you've got something to... As a class, we haven't covered that rule yeah. properly. Uh, hopefully, I'll get some idea if they write meaningless sentences that I haven't done that properly. So if they wrote, um, I have had a shower, uh, that's grammatically correct, but it doesn't fit the theme of the lesson. So I haven't yeah. focused enough. So on there's the two meeting. ways you can do this. You can actually have them put their name on it, so you know who's doing what, or you can have it anonymous, so you can just get general feedback about the the effectiveness of your lesson. Oh, hang on a second. If I'm putting their names on it, that's really helping me with point number one, which is knowing your students yeah. and their strengths and weaknesses. But it's really hindering me on point number two, which is make it a conducive atmosphere because I'm exiting with a test that's essentially. right and if you make it anonymous then you are uh, creating excellent feedback for you to develop a, a principle number three which is to but I'm not getting ex- to know my students well you're getting to know them in the on the whole I thought that point of number one was know them individually rather well than yeah mm. I suppose okay, okay. Uh, but exit tickets I haven't tried that before I'll have to think of a way to Incorporate in it. Yeah, yeah, I haven't tried that either. Okay, principle number six. Are you ready for this one? Engage and collaborate with inner community of practice. As in chat in the staff room. Listen to podcasts about Stephen Troy waffling. Well, I wouldn't recommend that, but chatting in the staff room is good. Yeah, so um, this might be sharing with other teachers, with administrators, if you trust them, parents, if you've got any. Um, <laughs> Wait, I think everyone has had parents at some point. Well, parents of your students. Okay. (laughs) Um, Going to workshops, reading a really, really interesting magazine like the English Teaching Forum, which is published by the TESOL people. TESOL, yeah. I'm not good at this, am I? Okay, so uh, be engaged in your profession. Yes, and continue growing. I think that this, this thing about none of us are perfect... And we all have ways in which we can grow and develop is, okay. is kind of cool. And I think, I mean, a, a good point in there is, um, so I recently was talking to a, a colleague and I said a, about the fact that I still read papers. And he said, why? And uh, he used a, a bunch of cool analogies. Uh, I can only remember that. One, which was, but isn't, aren't, aren't you like, uh, Michael Jordan playing basketball in China and he made a bunch of analogies like that saying like but come on you already know this stuff why are you yeah but he, what he's missed the point is that you already know the stuff because you've kept reading and, and exploring for the last 
22 years. Something like that. Um, um, but I should say that, I mean, even in this list, I'm, I'm hypercritical of all papers and it's, yeah, just, it's, it's my nature. Yeah. But I never thought about an exit ticket. I'm not sure if I agree with it or disagree with it, but it's certainly something I'm already thinking about. Yeah. All right, so that's our list of the um, six principles for exemplary teaching of lang- English language, written by Trent and Hagar. It's the, it's the six P-E-T-E-L, we're dropping all the... Uh, uh, six petal, six yeah. petals. Six petals. Six petals. Okay, Six there you petals. go. That's not bad. That's a you nice. You can remember that. Lesson. All right. So a word from our sponsor today. Our sponsor today is the United States Department of State for Teachers of English. United States Department of State for Teachers of English. Yeah. Which US basically. Yes. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> which basically is a a board which promotes the use of English as used by Americans, which I'm not very good at, incidentally. Anyway, um, they they which Americans? You mean Americans as in the continent? No, no. Oh, uh, United States, Canada, and other countries. <laughs> That's what it says here. Anyway, okay. You can find out more <laughs> and subscribe to their excellent magazine called the English Teaching Forum, where I found this wonderful okay. article at http slash slash dot dot. Oh wait, no w w colon not dot dot colon yeah. yeah. Bookstore dot gpo dot Gov. Dot. That's it. No, dot, no, dot, no. That's it. No, no, the, that's it. Just okay. bookstore.gpo.gov. So if you want to look at the wonderful work that the USDSTE does okay. and learn all about the petals. The six petals? Yes. Yes. Make sure you go and read their stuff about TESOL and TEFL and TESL <laughs> and that's enough for FL and bye bye all. Tough Waffle is proudly brought to you by the Nonstop Wafflers, Troy and Steve. For any questions, comments, complaints, or queries, you can email Tough at gmail.com or visit tufflewaffle.com. <laughs>